The Orioles had six players who were arbitration eligible this offseason and officially decided on Friday to tender contracts for 2023 to all six of them. But some other teams did non-tender some interesting players. So let's take a look at which of those new free agents the Orioles could explore. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, November 21st, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look at the non-tender deadline, which was on Friday night for this offseason. The Orioles tendered contracts to all six of their arbitration-eligible players. We'll talk about that. And then we'll look at all the players who other teams did decide to non-tender. It gave us a group of pretty interesting free agents, including guys like Brian Anderson, Cody Bellinger, Ryan Yarborough, Dom Smith, and others. And we'll kind of go through that group of guys and pick out, you know, six, seven, or eight or so that the Orioles could be targeting in free agency. There's a new group of free agents added to the bunch. The Orioles could go after them as well. We'll talk about who it will be coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. If you listen on Apple or Spotify, that's amazing. If you could leave a five-star rating and a review on those apps really helps out the pod. And of course, we're here on YouTube. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. And remember, uh, as Twitter seems to be dying out, if that does happen, of course, we would love for you to follow us at Locked On Orioles on Twitter. But probably the space where most of the content will come out will be on the Locked On Orioles YouTube page after that. So make sure to subscribe there. And again, we're still going five days a week episodes, Monday through Friday throughout the offseason into December. And we thank you for tuning in. But let's start with today's episode. If you were maybe expecting a mailbag Monday, that'll be coming up next Monday. But we had some news to get to from the weekend. And unfortunately, like generally happens in a normal MLB offseason, especially over the last decade or so, a couple moves happen early, and then things are kind of slow until you get to the winter meetings. Now, the winter meetings in San Diego this year are December 4th through 7th. So that's kind of the week you can target to say, all right, here's when maybe things will start to happen. Because you get all the GMs together, the Rule 5 draft happens. Kind of all of the roster shuffling internally is done after the Rule 5 draft. And then you hope it's kind of go time between there and and the end of the calendar year. But there was one deadline that was met on Friday night in the Major League Baseball offseason, and that was the non-tender deadline. Now, for people who are kind of unaware how this works, essentially in baseball, for players who are still on their, quote, rookie deals, most guys are, for the first seven years they are in the big leagues, once you have between three and six years of big league service time, each offseason between those three and six years, you basically have a number set for what you'll make the next season, depending on your statistics, your performance, and potentially you go to arbitration. So how this works for the players on each team, and for example, the Orioles had six of these players, Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, Dylan Tate, Jorge Mateo, and Austin Voth were the Orioles' six arbitration-eligible players. The six guys on the roster who've been in the big leagues from three to six years 
so far in their career. Most of them pretty new to arbitration as well. So the Orioles had to decide, would they tender them a contract going into the next season, kind of knowing what they're probably going to be worth, or would they non-tender them? And what that basically means, it's similar to cutting a guy in the NFL because his cap hit is going to be too large. You just set him free and his money comes off the books. That's what a non-tender is as well. The Orioles have non-tendered some guys in the last couple of years. One of the bigger names was Hanser Alberto a couple of years ago. The Orioles ended up non-tendering him after the 2020 season. But in general, the O's will have a player or two. They might non-tender every year. This year, though, it was not the case. Now, MLB Trade Rumors does a great job at the beginning of the offseason. They put out projections for each player who's arbitration eligible in terms of what they are projected to make money-wise in the 2023 season. So here were the projections for all six Orioles arbitration eligible players. This is probably close to what they will make. Anthony Santander at $7.5 million. Cedric Mullins at $4.4 million. Austin Hayes at $3.1 million. Austin Voth at $2 million. And then Jorge Mateo at $1.8 million. And Dylan Tate at $1.5 million. And essentially the Orioles thought all six of those players are clearly worth that much to help our big league team, at least for now. And so they brought them all back. Now, just because the Orioles tendered all of them contracts does not mean they will all make that exact amount of money next year and doesn't even you know lock in that they'll all six be with the Orioles in 2023. Of course, these guys still could be probably not DFA, but could certainly still be traded as well. And it doesn't mean they're going to go to arbitration. There is a mid-January deadline, I believe January 15th, to come to a contract agreement with these players. So now that the Orioles have tendered them a contract, Mike Elias and his staff and then the player and their agent will come together and basically try to hash out what the players should be worth for next year based on their stats from 2022. If they come to an agreement, you'll probably get a news alert that you know the Orioles have come to a one-year contract agreement for 2023 with, say, Cedric Mullins for $4 million. That means they have agreed to his number just for next year. Doesn't mean he's a free agent after next year now. Just means they've come to an agreement on what he'll make specifically for next year. Now, if both sides are still too far apart, the two teams will then go to arbitration. So if they're still too far apart by that January, that mid-January deadline, and they can't come to an agreement, they will go to an arbiter who is provided by Major League Baseball, who will look at the stats of the player, look at the case the player is making, look at the case that the team is making, and come to a number somewhere in the middle generally, or might fully side with one side or the other, and will then rule on how much money that player will make next year. And generally, the number ends up pretty close to what MLB Trade Rumors does predict in that offseason article. So that's generally what all six of these guys will be making. But that's kind of how the process works. I know it's a little confusing for some people. It is kind of a confusing process where you can just non-tender a guy and basically release him. But tendering him a contract still does not guarantee the exact number of, of money that the guy will make the next year. And it is an odd system because you can't go down. So say, you know, let's look at... Austin Voth, he's set to make $2 million next year with the Orioles. Say that's what he gets. Him and the Orioles um, agree to a $2 million contract. If he is just terrible next year, but the Orioles still want to hold on to him because they think there's still something there, they actually aren't allowed to pay him less than the $2 million if they keep him on the roster, if they don't DFA him and then put him in AAA. So if they kept him on the 40-man roster, even if he was terrible, he could make $2 million again, but he couldn't make any less than that. It can only stay the same or go up year by year if the player stays on the 40-man roster and continues to go through arbitration until they hit free agency. So that's kind of the breakdown again. 
Let us know in the comments if you have more questions about the arbitration process, about the non-tender process. Uh, there'll still be more news about that as the Orioles hopefully come to specific agreements with all six of these players. But we do know they will not be releasing any of them, will not be non-tendering any of them. They will all be at least a part of the Orioles offseason for now. Some of these guys could be involved in trades. We'll see. But for now, they stay in Baltimore. But the Orioles, it seemed like, were one of the only teams who actually decided to tender a contract to all of their arbitration-eligible players. Most of the teams around the league non-tendered at least one guy and sent them to free agency. And some teams non-tendered a handful of guys as well. And it led to an interesting group of new free agents as of Friday night, headlined by the former MVP Cody Bellinger. So coming up next, we'll take a look at that group of free agents now, specifically the left-handed hitters, because we know the O's are going after them. Cody Bellinger is one of them. Would he fit in Baltimore? Would it be worth the chance? We'll talk about that coming up next. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this winter. Because, listen, we know the NFL is every Sunday. And you're going to be placing wagers. You're going to be looking at the lines, looking at the odds. We know college football coming up in its final regular season weekend this weekend. Big time for college football. College basketball, huge week. It's feast week in college basketball. The Maui Invitational starts today. Great time. NBA, NHL. But we got a little something extra here in November this year that never happens at this time of the year. The World Cup kicked off on Sunday with Ecuador taking down Qatar 2-0 in the opening match course. Maybe if you're listening to this, the match already happened, but USA versus Wales at 2 p.m. Eastern time here on Monday to start their World Cup run. First time in the World Cup since 2014. All the lines and odds on every World Cup game you can find at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, if you listen to this one, you can find podcasts like this as well at BetOnline. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. So the Orioles did decide to tender contracts to all six of their arbitration-eligible players, Santander, Mullins, Hayes, Voth, Tate, and Mateo, on Friday night. But a lot of other teams didn't go that path, and there were a good amount of non-tendered players becoming free agents who weren't necessarily scheduled to be free agents this offseason. There's an interesting group that we're going to talk about, but specifically, I wanted to start with the left-handed hitters who came available on Friday night, because as Rakabako reported uh, over at Masson over the weekend and has been talked about on this podcast and briefly other places, the Orioles reportedly are already starting to target left-handed hitters specifically in free agency. Now, it makes sense. A left-hander is going to do better with the new dimensions at Camden Yards than before with the wall moved back in left field. Now, again, they'll still add a right-handed hitter, I think, because they struggled so much against left-handed pitchers last year. But Rock wrote about how they're targeting, you know, the kind of outfield slash first base slash DH type left-handed hitters. Well, a guy who kind of falls into that category with even better defense is Cody Bellinger, and he was by far the top name who was non-tendered over the weekend. The Dodgers, instead of, instead of tendering a contract with probably would have been worth about 17 or $18 million for next year for Cody Bellinger, they instead non-tendered him on Friday night. And it was a decision that most people saw coming because despite the fact that Bellinger is only 27 years old, Despite the fact that he plays an elite defensive center field and can play all three outfield positions and first base defensively very well, and despite the fact that he was literally the National League MVP back in 2019 
after winning NL Rookie of the Year in 2017, and after helping lead the Dodgers to a World Series title in 2020 with a good season, he has been horrendous the last two years. And it hasn't hurt the Dodgers, because despite not winning the World Series, they've been amazing the last two seasons. But Cody Bellinger this year, 19 homers, all right, hit just 210 with an 83 WRC+. plus. He was 17% worse than a league average hitter and had a 27% strikeout rate. That's too high. But he was almost twice as good this year as he was in his horrific 2021 when he struck out just as much, hit for less power, and had just a 47 WRC plus in 2021. So back-to-back, pretty horrendous years for Bellinger with all these strikeouts and not as many homers. And you can see why the Dodgers felt there were just better options out there than Cody Bellinger despite a 2019 MVP award. And now listen, I put out there on Twitter, you know, could this possibly be a guy the Orioles go after? And Rockabaco did mention Bellinger in his article about the left-handed hitters. Listen, he had a 162 WRC+. Plus. He won the MVP in 2019. And even his rookie year, when he was Rookie of the Year in 2017, he had a 27% strikeout rate that year too. That was his same strikeout rate as this season. But when he hit the ball, he had a lot more success and ended up with a 138 WRC+. Plus. So he can have success even with a strikeout rate this high, which makes me think there's still something in the tank there for Cody Bellinger. Now, did some people bring up a Chris Davis comparison? Yes, they did, because he was, in 2021, almost as bad as Chris Davis was at the end of his Orioles tenure. Now, he certainly wasn't that bad this year, although he was bad. I just still think there's something in the tank. Now, if Cody Bellinger is looking for that, you know, 12, 13, 14, $15 million one-year prove-it deal, I don't think the Orioles are going to be in the market. But if a lot of teams are shying away from Bellinger, and he definitely wants to play for a team that is going to be winning some baseball games and doesn't just want to like take a one-year you know, $15 million contract with the Reds and try to hit 30 homers on a horrendous Cincinnati team, the Orioles could still certainly be a fit for Cody Bellinger. And I wouldn't be signing him to you know stick him in center field and play him every day. No, I'd be signing him to maybe platoon with Austin Hayes, potentially. That could, that could be certainly a way to kind of get his bat in the lineup almost every day, ease him in play in a, a good ballpark for for his power and try to let him regain his footing on, you know, maybe like a, a one-year, seven or $8 million deal if he would take that. I would certainly do that. Now, he could be priced out of what the Orioles want to pay for a player like that, but if they want to bring him in, I don't think it's the worst idea, despite how bad he really was. And if you can get him for cheaper and he's still that bad, you can DFA Cody Bellinger. It's okay. He's not your guy like he was the Dodgers guy, which is why they could just never DFA him. And at the very least, he's still bringing great value defensively. I mean, he plays a great outfield in all three positions, and he can play first base. So at least he gives you that and gives you a little bit of something. But yeah, it's been bad, but maybe. Wanted to talk about, though, a a couple more left-handed hitting options that are now out there via non-tenders. And and the Dodgers actually had another one out there. Edwin Rios was non-tendered by the Dodgers on Friday. Now, Rios has been a different situation as Bellinger because he actually spent most of the year either injured or in AAA for the Dodgers this year after, you know, he came up and and was really productive off the Dodger bench in 2019 and 2020, was on the World Series team in 2020. He was kind of bad in 2021 and spent most of the year AAA. Now, he only played in 27 games with the Dodgers this year, but when he did get to hit, he did have a 120 WRC plus this season in LA. He just didn't get that many chances between injury and being in AAA. He's 28 years old. He can play first base. He can play third base for you. He's a left-handed bat, you know, a little bit of power. We've seen him have some good stretches, again, when he first came up, 2019 and 2020 with LA. 
that could be an even cheaper deal than Bellinger. That could be a you know one or two you know year. I don't know one one year two years ten million maybe for Edwin one year five or six million for Edwin Rios bring him in. Yeah, that's a bench bat I'd love to have. A guy who can play against righties. Sure, go for it. Still has some left in the tank. And then the other two guys, left-handed bats, one would be Dom Smith. Now, kind of in the Cody Bellinger sense where he was good a couple years ago and it just has been really bad lately, Dom Smith looked atrocious with the Mets this year. Had just a 67 WRC+. Between injuries and the time he spent in AAA, he only played 58 games with the Mets, but he did not hit a home run all season. After an 86 WRC plus in 2021, you start to question Dom Smith. You know, he had those two great years with New York, a 134 WRC plus in 2019. And then he was amazing in the shortened season in 2020, he had a 166 WRC plus. He was one of the best hitters in all of baseball in the shortened 2020 season, but just hasn't been the same since then. He's still 27 years old. He can play first base. You know, you can put him a little bit in the corner outfields, maybe left field if you need to, left-handed hitter. Still with some promise. Yeah, again, if it's on a one-year, you know, prove-it deal for not too much money, maybe they go for it. And then the last guy I wanted to mention is just Ramel Tapia, who was non-tendered by the Blue Jays over the weekend. Left-handed hitter who, you know, had spent his whole career in Colorado, then got traded to the Jays before last season. Had a 90 WRC plus this year, hit 265 with five home runs. Just was really disappointing. He can run some. He can play the outfield well, all three positions. He's 28 years old. It's a little concerning that he never had a WRC plus higher than 96. Even in Colorado, in that hitter's park, he was never even a league average hitter in any of his four seasons with the Rockies. So that's a little concerning. But he's still 28. And my thoughts on Ramel Tapia is the Orioles are rostering Jake Cave and Ryan McKenna right now, and Tapia is probably better than both of them. So if you got him for cheap, he kind of would be an upgrade in that fourth-slash-fifth outfielder spot for the O's if they did go that way. But listen, Baltimore's certainly targeting left-handed hitters. I think they're going to be targeting higher on the the food chain than, than Bellinger and, and Dom Smith and these guys, but maybe if they add a, a better left-handed hitter, and then they want to add you know kind of a, a low-risk, high-reward piece one of these non-tenders could certainly be the guy. But these left-handed hitters weren't the only guys who were non-tendered Friday and are now available as free agents. There's some other catchers, some other hitters, some pitchers who are definitely interesting, who I think the O's could take a flyer on this offseason. We'll talk about who that could be coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. Now, if you've thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off, you want to listen up because right now, Locked On Orioles listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss it. And here's why we love Simply Safe. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. And Simply Safe, it's whole home security with advanced sensors for every room window and door and HD security cameras for inside and out. And with the top rated Simply Safe app, you can stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere, and it only costs less than a dollar a day. It's less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system we recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. 
So we're talking about all these non-tendered players on Friday, teams choosing not to tender them a contract, basically releasing them and making them free agents. And we talked about some of the left-handed hitters available, like Cody Bellinger, but there's also some other interesting options for the Orioles. And I actually put down seven names here, all guys who were non-tendered by their previous teams on Friday, all guys who are now free agents, and all guys who could fit the Orioles in certain situations. Let's start with catchers. There's two catchers who I think the O's could certainly at least take a look at. One is Luke Maley who was the Cleveland Guardians' backup catcher this year. Not known for his offense, had just an 81 WRC+, but is a solid framer, good defensive catcher, you know, a good leader of a pitching staff. If Cleveland will take him, that means he's a good framer and a good defensive catcher. And I think the Orioles could maybe, if they wanted to kind of go with a guy like that, you know, lack of a bat, but but really good defense, Maley could be an option. Although he, the guy who started over him, Austin Hedges, is also out there. The O's would probably go after Hedges first, but if they couldn't get him, Maybe Luke Maley is now that guy. Jorge Alfaro is also out there. He was the Padres' backup catcher this year. Did hit to a 90 WRC+. plus. Actually had some really clutch moments at the plate in San Diego. Now his defense, not nearly as good at this point as Maley's is, but his bat is 100% better than Luke Maley, and you can rely on him much more at the plate. So it's kind of the, the give and take of the backup catcher, but Alfaro is out there as well. Moving on to some other hitters, Luke Voigt is now a free agent. Remember, he was wrapped up in the Juan Soto deal this year, got traded to the Nationals, just kind of played down the stretch with Washington. Ended up with a 102 WRC plus this year, the worst year of his professional career. He's 31 years old. He still did hit 22 homers, but he had a 32% strikeout rate, which is crazy high, like one of the highest in baseball. We know he can't really play anywhere defensively. He can kind of barely play first base. So maybe if the O's got him on like a minor league deal, they'd bring him in. But he is certainly a bat who in the past you know, was really good with the Yankees at one point, as Orioles fans know. Brian Anderson was kind of a surprising non-tender by the Miami Marlins. Anderson at one point a couple years ago was, you know, like a close to an all-star player. He was hitting third in the Marlins lineup and was a guy they relied on offensively. But he was just not good this year. He's 29 years old, had just a 90 WRC plus this year when he had a 98 WRC plus last year. So back-to-back years as a below league average hitter. He was much better, you know, 2018 to 2020 with Miami. And he was always a guy who I think Orioles fans wanted the O's to trade for from the Marlins. You know, he can play right field, left field, third base. He can help you defensively. He can still hit a little, but his power has just been zapped. I mean, I think he hit five homers this year. He's got nothing left in the tank in that spot. And being a right-handed hitter, that'll hurt him even more at Camden Yards. But again, if he's a cheaper guy, maybe you go and get him. An interesting guy who's available is Danny Mendick, was non-tendered by the Chicago White Sox. 29-year-old kind of utility guy with Chicago over the last couple of years. He's played second, he's played short, he's played third, he's played left field, could play a little right field, could play a little first base if you need him to. Very versatile. And listen, he only got 106 plate appearances with the White Sox at the big league level this year, but he had a 125 WRC+. And the dude just mashes lefties. He was basically only on the team to face left-handed pitching, and he had a 170 WRC plus against lefties. Danny Mendick hit 360 against left-handed pitching this year. And again, small sample size, you know, less than 100 plate appearances against them, but he's been able to hit lefties in the past, the past couple of years when he was kind of up and down with the White Sox. Mendick is certainly a guy who, if you bring in on like a one-year, three or $4 million deal to kind of compete for your utility bench bat role in the infield, he's a guy who can really mash some lefties. And the Orioles had a really tough time, as we know, hitting left-handed pitching this year. I honestly think underrated Danny Mendick could be a guy the Orioles go after. And then there's two pitchers, two starting pitchers who are out there who I think the O's could kick the tires on. One is Ryan Yarborough. Of course, we're very, very 
um, you know, familiar with him. He's been pitching for the Rays for a while. 31-year-old lefty who has kind of seen things go downhill a little bit lately. He had a 4.50 ERA with the Rays this year, but he only pitched 80 innings with Tampa. Did have some injury struggles this year, but also spent a good chunk of time in AAA this year because he just was not the same pitcher he's been. And that was after a 5.11 ERA in, in more innings in 2021. So it was kind of back-to-back rough years for Yarbrough. Soft-tossing lefty who you know is going to get you to chase that changeup and try to jam righties inside with, with a cutter. He's had success. He's had success against the Orioles. He's had success in the AL East in the past, you know, 2018 to 2020, he was a pretty solid starting pitching option for the Rays. But if the Orioles think there's something there, that they could go get him. And then the last guy is Eric Fetty. He's been with the Nationals his whole career, now 29 years old, a right-handed pitcher. He's probably a, he, probably a no, normal non-tender candidate for other teams, but the Nats might be the worst team in baseball next year, so a little surprising that they just released essentially a 29-year-old who wasn't good, but, I mean, Gave them 127 innings. He gave them 27 starts this year. And at the very least, like, can eat some innings and has a little upside left. Again, he had a 5.81 ERA this year, burying the lead a little bit. He was real bad. He did have one great start in Baltimore against the Orioles, which was very annoying. But he still has a curveball, which rates really well. Eric Fetty reminds me a lot of Austin Voth. A Nats pitcher who was a highly ranked prospect coming through the Nats system, one of their top pitching prospects, got to the big leagues, had very early success in the big leagues, but did not develop any longer. Hitters kind of figured out their stuff, didn't make adjustments, no help from the Nats staff, and just kept getting worse and worse, and kind of eventually got moved into a hybrid bullpen and starting role, but has a great, great curveball. And that's what Fetty has. You know, that curveball had a 38% whiff rate and was dominant in 2021. Wasn't as good this year, but still at a solid whiff rate. He's almost like pitch for pitch Austin Voth. I think Voth's stuff is just a little bit better generally. But maybe an option. Maybe an option for the Orioles to bamboozle the Nationals once again. But that was really, you know, kind of the last big, quote, deadline of this offseason. You know, the qualifying offers already happened You had the Rule 5 protection deadline last week and then the non-tender deadline. So basically, we're kind of looking at our full pool of free agents at this point. The next thing on the calendar is, of course, the winter meetings, as I mentioned, December 4th through 7th. So hopefully, we just start to see some moves being made, whether by other teams or maybe by the Orioles as well. That is certainly Certainly the hope. And we'll be with you the entire way through the offseason, Monday through Friday, bringing you reaction analysis to every move the Orioles make. And, of course, we'll be back tomorrow as well. Planning to continue our Orioles season review series on tomorrow's episode. Got a few more players to get to, and we'll get back to that coming up tomorrow. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.